Two weeks ago uh, was Easter, and we began a new series uh, on Easter Sunday that will run for a while. Uh, and I've called it the Life Happens series, and we started with the actual sermon, Life Happens. And every, uh, let me just say this about Life Happens, it, I mean it in every implication of, of that word. But life happens over and against death, but life also happens. Unexpected things happen, you know, things you were never prepared for, never imagined, all those kinds of things happen. And we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, what about a year of pandemic? I mean, what's going to emerge out of that? Uh, what, what are all the things that God might surprise us uh, in doing and in being with us? Uh, today's story is a relatively familiar story. It's certainly a familiar story to me. It became, I became very fond of it because I've spent the last two weeks with it, um, thinking about it, first for last week, which didn't happen, and now for this week. And you, uh, in a moment, uh, I'm doing today's sermon in a reverse order, not that you need to understand my uh, normal way of working uh, necessarily, because I don't even understand it. Um, but I'm going to begin with the scripture reading and then uh, tie in some other stories and ways of uh, seeing this story. So I'm beginning in Luke chapter 24, uh, verse 13. It's a resurrection story. It's the same day as it's the same day as the resurrection. It's the same day. Um, it's Easter Sunday, if you will. Now, on the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you are walking along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning. And when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Christ would suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near to the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. 
But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions together. They, They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told them what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of bread. This is the gospel of our Lord for today. Praise be to God. I was struck, I was, I I had a different direction, but you know how life is. I had a different direction for this sermon when I began to think about it. But I was intrigued in verse 16 when it says their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And to begin to ask the question, what is it that might keep us, like those early disciples, Cleopas and the other one, whose name we never learned? You know, uh, he's like a lot of the people, or she's like a lot of the people in the Bible. We, we don't know who they were. And that's okay because they're like us, you know. I don't know who's going to tell my story someday, and it won't matter. You know, have I loved enough in this universe? That's going to be the question. But shaping this sermon for me today has been the last two weeks. On Easter Sunday, we had a beautiful gathered in person for the first time ever, not ever, (laughs) but for the first time in a year, um, over a year, uh, Easter sunrise service. It's been two years since we've had an Easter sunrise service in person. Um, And there were about 15 people there, and it was kind of cool to see people's faces. They were masked, so we couldn't really... You could see... It was cool to see people's eyes, and there are cool choices in masks, generic, uh, cool things on them kind of thing. And then we had our regular stream, which somehow magically didn't start streaming on the website immediately, so we had to fix that. You know, life is like this. You know, strange things happen. Linda had been feeling sick um, and hadn't been here for a couple of weeks. um, And she was feeling sicker by late that afternoon. So I took her, you know, we had a family discussion. Hannah was in town. Joshua was there for dinner. We had a discussion, and I took Linda to the ER. And she's been in the hospital for 14 days. She's still there. She's getting better. She's getting better. I could not have preached last Sunday morning because there were so many unknowns. And so everybody stepped up in the midst of it all. James stepped up uh, to preach for me last weekend. And the team, Megan and uh, Joy and Mark, all stepped in, and Mark Hayes recorded a centering moment. There were all these people that stepped in so I could be at the hospital with Linda during the limited window that visitation hours happen. Now, I have to say, 
that during this time, she is getting better. I, you know, I don't want to leave you hanging on your seat. She's getting better. They're talking about discharge within the next couple of days, I think, from the hospital. Um, they've been trying to figure out for two weeks what was going on, and they think they might have. And, uh, and so that, that has been an interesting time, spending time at the hospital day after day. And I was looking for God in all of this. You, you know me. I mean, this is, it's not only my work as a pastor to try to find God in all things and to help other people find God, but I have to, this can't just be about helping you find God. It's about helping me find God. Where is God in everything? And so this question became so important to me. This, it's not even a question, the statement in verse 16, their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Now, in those early days in the hospital, when Linda was in and out of consciousness and we were still trying to figure out, had no idea what was going on, um, you know, I was distracted by the same things that distract us all. And you might say, well, what are those things? Well, it's either regrets or anxiety. Anxiety about the future or regrets about the past. Why didn't I recognize this was coming on two weeks ago and maybe we could have headed this whole visit to the hospital off? Why didn't I see the signs? Why didn't I know what was going on well enough to pick this? And so I spent time, a lot of my mind's time, not in this moment with Linda, but regretting that I didn't pick up on the signs before now. You know... Maybe if I'd caught it sooner, we wouldn't be here. You know, even now, I say to myself, maybe, you know, would she have had to been in there 14 days? I don't know. So I let it go. But then there's the anxieties. What if Linda isn't, doesn't recover? What, what if, because there were some, some days when I was questioning if it was going to happen. You know, what, what is going on here? Because in the beginning, there were like six different hospital services involved in the process, and none of them had any answers. We're going to try this. We need 12 vials of blood to do that. Okay. <laughs> uh, the next guy, uh, we're going to try this. The next gal, we're going to try this. We need 12 more vials of blood. It's like, you know she's a tiny person. How much blood do you think she has? <laughs> what if she doesn't recover? What if they can't figure this out? What if, if, if? So instead of being there, there were moments I was everywhere else. And I'm convinced that was the problem of these disciples. What were they doing while they were walking down the road when Jesus showed up? They were arguing about everything that happened, about all their expectations. Wasn't Jesus supposed to redeem Israel? And wasn't redeeming Israel about being a king? And what do you mean they killed him? And what about our religion that would hand him over to be killed? And what about the Romans, those crud balls that are willing to kill our king? You know, we were thinking this was going to happen. And when they attached all that value to their expectations, they couldn't even be now because all they were was disappointed and sad, we're told. Disappointed and sad. So... No wonder they couldn't see that Jesus had showed up to talk with them because they weren't in that moment. 
So I began to try to be present. Now listen, I, I do centering prayer twice a day, sometimes three times a day. And I do some extra meditation because sometimes I'm just all over the place. I love to, my family laughs at me now, I love to wash the dishes, why? Because when I wash the dishes, I focus on every single dish and washing it. I'm, I'm not rushing through to get to the destination. Destination is clean dishes. I'm washing this dish. I'm holding it in my hand, I'm washing this dish. I'm flipping it over, I'm washing this dish. I'm rinsing this dish, I'm putting it in the drainer. Next dish, same thing. Work through that whole process. If I can be present to washing dishes, what about if I could be present here with Linda? She can't talk to me right now, she's unconscious. But what if my heart could really be here? What if I could just be here? So I began to do what I tell you to do every Sunday morning, <laughs> breathe. I began to practice breathing. You know, even I can forget. Uh, that's why it's not, you know, that's why breathing is, is a, you know, not something that's regulated by your conscious mind because you'd forget to breathe and then the next thing you'd be is unconscious. So I breathed myself into the moment and I tried to imagine that God's love was flowing through me into Linda. And then I began to notice something. In every now, every single one of the nurses that came in to take care of Linda did it with such gentleness and care. And I began to realize that Deanna and Ramada and Liz and uh, Gretchen and um, Kenya and Elizabeth and Mariatu and Hoan were all bearers of the image of Christ. And the way they cared for Linda and gently, and Jasmine, I don't want to forget Jasmine, the way they cared for Linda, wordlessly looking after her, checking her IVs, there were at sometimes four or five of different ones, making sure all of those things were right, that she was as comfortable in bed as she could be, that all the things that were attended, I saw Christ in them. And then when I finally, on Tuesday night, she'd been in the hospital for two days and I really hadn't talked to any doctors yet. I had asked about, from nurses about what was happening, but Tuesday night, one of the doctors, the attending on the floor, the hospitalist called me, Dr. Pataglia, and we had a 30 minute conversation about what was going on with Linda. And the next morning I met Dr. Pataglia and I met Dr. Raya who was one of her rheumatology associates. And I met all of these doctors who came in. Uh, well, I didn't meet any more of them in person for a while. I met Dr. Jane later on, who was her infectious disease doctor. And I, I, all of these people, I saw the way they cared about Linda. Her personal rheumatologist, because you know she's been struggling with arthritis, called me on Thursday morning and talked to me for an hour. Now, he called me on a hospital phone that cuts him off after 40 minutes. He said, don't hang up. I'm calling you right back. He calls me on his cell phone. Dr. Chow calls me on his cell phone and he, because he wants to understand everything about Linda's history. And I was apparently giving him enough information that was making him happy. And he told me at the end of the conversation, do you know, 
I go to bed every night thinking about Linda, and I wake up in the morning thinking about Linda. And if that wasn't Christ on the phone talking to me, I don't know who it was. Because in those moments, when I was really there, I could see it. The food service people, now they kept their badges covered up. So I don't know, I never learned their names, but there were two when she was on the intensive floor that came in and the first day, the gentleman said to me, I really want to feed her stuff she likes. I want her to enjoy it, but she can't talk to me. She can't tell me. I want to bring her the food that she's going to be able to enjoy. Can you tell me what she likes? Can you walk me through? And normally they just take one meal at a time. Well, he took my dinner order and the breakfast order for tomorrow and lunch because he knew he wouldn't see me again until after lunch because that was the only time I could come in the hospital. And then after him, a woman, and I wish I knew their names, but they were so loving and they wanted her to have what she needed. They wanted her to have what she needed. And there was Christ right there. But what, what kept me from recognizing them at various moments, even throughout the last two weeks, because I'd forget. I'd forget to breathe. I'd forget to be in the moment. What made me forget is my worry about what will happen next or my regret about what hadn't been done before or my frustration with myself or the fact that, hey, I'm a pastor. What am I doing feeling fear and anxiety and uncertainty and calling out to God? What the heck? I had to listen to James's sermon again about the fact that we can talk to God about anything. See? And James was Christ for me. James was Christ for me. To remind me, part of what takes us out of the moment is our own judgment of ourselves. I'm not good enough, God. Who said so? Who, who said so? I made you. That's what I hear God saying throughout eternity. I made you. You're infinitely precious and unconditionally loved. Who told you you weren't good enough? Because whoever did lied through their freaking teeth. You are unconditionally loved. You are infinitely precious to me. Now stop all this judging yourself. Stop raking yourself over the coals because you you're not all that. You don't measure up. Let it go. Let it go. Just be here now. Let me love you. Because that's all I really want to do. I want to love you. I want to hold you together in this moment. I never promised you I would keep you safe, but I did promise you I would sustain you, James. And God did. For those who knew, I knew I was being prayed about. There were moments I could palpably feel it when I was sitting in the hospital or when I would come home alone at night, the dog was there. Uh, you know, and. There's a mixture between whether you're really alone or not because Reedy only has two or three things in her mind. She wants to go outside because she's got to go to the bathroom or she's got to sniff something or she wants to eat or she wants to go for a walk. I can say that word in front of you. If I say that in front of her, then there's chaos that breaks loose in the house. They say the word walk. I can't even spell it anymore. We now talk about it as a promenade. <laughs> 
We are going to go on a promenade now. You think it's about time to go on a promenade? And Reedy doesn't even wake up from her nap. But if you say the word walk, even in a whisper, and she's asleep, she is at your leg before you can even take a second breath. When I came home alone, I would feel the presence of those who were praying for me. And I invite you to continue to pray for me and to pray for Linda. She's still got some recovery left to do. It does look like she's, it's no longer a medical issue. We're going to get out of the hospital. She has to recover her strength now. But you see, I understand these guys on the road to Emmaus now. Because as soon as you get distracted by your theology of what you thought God was supposed to do for you, <laughs> or what God is supposed to do for you, hey, God, you owe me. You know, I've been doing this gig at St. James for 29 years, and it's been a hard gig. Have you met some of those people? You know, uh, that, I didn't say that. Because actually it's like, I don't even know why they've kept me. Uh, but I've been doing this. Don't you think you could fix this for me? Nope. I can hold you up, James. I can hold you up. Trust me. You are loved beyond your imagination. And so is Linda. So I encourage you and invite you to keep lifting us up. I encourage you to lift yourself up. I encourage you to stop long enough in your everyday life to catch a glimpse. To catch a glimpse. Because you see, if I, if I read the Bible closely, it is Christ. In Christ, all things are held together. That's in the book of Colossians, first chapter. In Christ, all things, the whole universe, held together. And if Christ is holding it all together, that's pretty good glue. And that is the glue that's holding you together. And have you ever seen the glue? We have to stop long enough to catch a glimpse that the glue that's holding you together is also the glue that's holding the bread on the worship table together and your brunch together. And that blade of grass, or seven million of them in the front yard here at St. James that have recently been cut. Thanks, John. Christ in that. Christ in that. If you can learn to see Christ in this moment, you won't miss him. Yes, he's in the breaking of the bread, and we're going to do that in just a moment. But he's with you now. But you miss it because you're busy with your regrets and anxieties, the past and the future. He's waiting to meet you now where you are, where you are. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, Christ is already there. God surprises you when you least expect it. Those guys, guy and gal, we only know one of their names. Whoever it was that was on the road to Emmaus, those two were surprised. They were too busy to notice that Jesus was with them until he broke the bread. And they were there in that moment to see it. Jesus was just following his promise where two or three are gathered, there he was. And the two of them on the road, there he was. There he was. Don't miss him.
Be ready to be surprised if you hang out in the moment. You see him in the hands of nurses and doctors and technicians and food service people and the cleaners and the parking attendants. Everyone, everyone, everywhere can reflect a little of Christ back to you. If you're there, if you're there.